So today we have the opportunity to pick up where a pastor has left off um, with our conversation about in God we trust. Really? I couldn't use the big red chair because I felt like I needed a pipe and a smoking jacket, right? Uh, so I, I almost did that. That would have been funny, but I don't have a smoking jacket. Um, so, so far, uh, uh, last couple of weeks, we have talked about money and possessions and a great biblical understanding uh, of greed and exactly what that looks like. Um, so I just want to give you some interesting facts about some key words that are, are found in the Bible, okay? The word believe, you all know what that means, you know, you're supposed to believe in, you know, God and all that. How many times do you think that's used in Scripture? Okay, I, maybe you've forgotten. We do this, remember? Okay. How many times do you think that's used in Scripture? A ton. That is just silly. You can't say that. 272. Okay, there's 66 books. I don't know how many words, but only 272 of them are the word believe. Okay? The word pray, that's another big word, right, that we all think about. How many times do you think that's used? 550, that's a good guess, better than a ton. What else? 1,001, not even close. It's used 371 times. 371. Okay, now this has got to be the kicker right here, the word love. Now in Greek, there's about five different words used for love. So we've got all those pulled together in Old Testament stuff. How many times do you think love is used? 800, 1,000, 2,200, not even close. Um, it is used 714 times. I mean, God says, Jesus says, love one another, right? He says that a lot, 714 times. The next word is give. How many times do you think the word give is used in Scripture? 50, 900, 1,000. The word give in Scripture, translated, is used 2,162 times. Yeah, pretty much. 2,162 times. Now, if you add the other three words up together, they don't equal 2,162 times. So God is obviously interested in the word give. Did you know that there are uh, this concept of money and possessions and the things that we, I love air quotes, right? We own, there are 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions and finances. A third of all of Jesus' parables talk about the stuff that we have, right? So today, in order for us to get a really good understanding, we're going we're gonna to look at all 2,300 of those verses real quickly, okay? I'm just kidding. No, I'm not, right? That'd be impossible, right? So over the last couple of weeks, uh, PT has done just a great job of giving us some perspective. And, and whether we trust God or not in, in these areas of biblical finances. And so today, uh, I'm going to sum all of that up by giving you some practical tools. Okay? Some practical tools so that you can leave here today and immediately apply what it is uh, that I'm going to be teaching today, and then what we've understood from Pastor over the last couple of weeks. So when you walk out those doors today, you're going to be like, okay, wow, I, I get this a whole lot better than I thought I would coming here today. Um, so I appreciate you coming back and, and hearing this. This will be the, you know, we're not going to preach on money next week, so invite your friends, right? Uh, we're going to talk about prayer and stuff like that over the next couple of weeks. 
So uh, right now, I'm going to have our guest services team uh, come, and uh, you're going to get a booklet, okay? Uh, Put together this booklet that's going to give you some tools that are going to help you. As this is happening, I want you to watch the screens, okay? Because what you're about to see is the way we act when it comes to money. Uh, This is the way we act, I act, you act at times when it comes to money. Check this out. I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? (laughs) Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. (laughs) So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. This offer on. Which? Is that on? Oh, yeah, that's better, huh? I mean, that's the way it is, right? You know, we've got a credit card. We've got a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. That's just fake money. So, hey, you know what? Let's go swipe a card. We're good. We can do that. No problem. It's not money you have. It's money somebody's loaning you at 23% interest, right? Or 8 or whatever. You're 1.9. Who cares, right? So today, we're going to look at budgeting, uh, paying off debt, saving for college, uh, retiring. Um, some things I think um, are pretty practical. Now, I'm going to give you an out. Some of you may think that this isn't going to apply to you because you've got everything financially completely figured out, right? You have no more worries. You have no more cares about finances. You're living completely debt-free. Your kids are already through college without any school loans. Uh, You have a fully funded retirement plan. So if you retired today, you'd never have to worry about a check coming. Um, you're saving and you're giving away the majority of your income and you're just going to coast through the rest of your life. If that's you, you are more than welcome to leave today. 
know, like two of you are like, no, not really, right? I mean, there may be one or two of you, okay, who are, who are there, who are a lot smarter than the rest of us, to be perfectly honest, right? So I think uh, this is going to be helpful, and, and I want to gauge this, so I need full participation just real quick. How many of you make money or have money come into your possession on a fairly regular and consistent basis? Raise your hand. Full participation, please, seriously, okay? How many of you have any kind of debt whatsoever? Credit cards, automobiles, student loans, mortgages, outstanding lines of credit, personal or in your business? Yeah, okay? How many of you plan on retiring someday? Glory be to God, right? That's, that's the, that is the light at the end of the tunnel, right? How many of you have kids who you plan on sending to college prayerfully? Okay, how many of them you just want out of your house? Okay, same thing. How many of you would love to have several thousand dollars cash on hand just in case of an emergency, something that comes up like a blown transmission where you don't have to pay credit for it, right? Outstanding. How many of you, and I love this question, how many of you have more month left at the end of your money? Yeah. See, did you hear that? Sometimes we have more month than we do money. We got about 26 and a half days of cash, and there's 31. <laughs> the only day at work, the only month that works is February, right? Woo, we're living large in February. So what, what I'm going to show you today comes straight out of um, a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. Uh, so we have a group that's going through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University right now, part of a growth group. Uh, I've heard some great stories from them. I've been through it two or three times. I'm still learning, right? But what, what I'm going to lead you through today is some, it's simple, biblically-based, practical understandings of how to deal with your money. So uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to ask Spaz, Spaz, if you're back there, would you kick the lights on uh, for us? I think she's in the back. Um, well, she's going there now. Cricket, cricket. All right. Is, uh, what, what I want to be able to do is actually you're going to do a little bit of work this morning. So we're going to kick the lights on real quick. Okay? Here in just a second. See so she gets back there. So most of you raised your hand to almost all of those questions. So today it's going to be applicable to you. Okay? So the question is this. Does the word budget show up in Scripture? No. Voila, and the Lord said, let there be light. Right? The word budget is nowhere, it's not found. Uh, no matter the translation, uh, I've looked it up, it's not there. Okay? So you're like, well, we shouldn't be talking about it then. 22,162 20, times talking about money and possessions, I think we ought to. Okay? Kind of wrap all that up for us with some pretty uh, practical, applicable teaching that's going to help you out. But the first thing I want to do is I want to give you some interesting facts on biblical words. Okay, some four important words that are found in Scripture. And again, you've got to interact with me, okay? The first word uh, is believe. The word believe. How many times do you think the word believe is used in Scripture? Cricket, cricket. A lot does not count. I need a number. Help me out. Come on. 65, 52. How many? 900. Thank you, Pete Manolis. The answer to that is 272 times. Believe. You've got to believe in God, right? 272 times. 
The next word, this is a pretty important one. The disciples asked Jesus how to do it. The word is pray. How many times do you think pray is used in Scripture? 900. Thank you, Pete Manillas, 900. Do I hear 950? This is not an auction. Help me out, right? How many? Three, 2,000. No, not even close. 371 times the word pray is used in the Bible. Okay, now this is, the, this is the biggest word Jesus taught. Okay? He epitomized it with his coming and death on the cross for us and resurrection three days later. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty important teaching. How many times do you think the word love is used in Scripture? 472. Is that what I heard? Okay, 1,000. 375. Pete, what do you think? 900. 900. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the price is right, you know? <laughs> Pete, you've won. Come on down. Spin the wheel, right? 901. 901. There we go. <laughs> I love it. All right, the word love is used 714 times. Okay, we're getting better in Scripture. Okay? The last word I'm going to give you today, uh, the word is give. How many times do you think the word give is used in Scripture? 900. We've already got, we've already got a 900 from Linda. 2,030. Okay? How many? 1,500, okay? The answer is, drum roll, 2,162 times. So Jana Zerwick wins, right? She gets a tweet. Okay, now if you did the quick math, words believe, pray, and love put together are not mentioned as many times as the word give. And that's crazy, right? We don't think about that. We don't process that. The concept of money and possessions, the stuff we, I love air quotes, right? The stuff we own, the stuff that we have, there are over 2,300 verses in Scripture that talk about that. Did you know that? That's a lot. So in order for us to get a really good biblical understanding, we're going to look at each one of those individually this morning, okay? No, we're not. I'm just kidding. At least, you know, three of you are like, some of us are like, oh my God, he's serious, right? But over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Terry's done a great job of giving us an understanding of greed and biblical understanding of money and possessions. And, you know, a third of Jesus' parables talk about it. It's in there. So today, I'm going to wrap all of that up, like I said, with some applicable teaching that, that whenever, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you, when you leave here today, you'll be able to put it into practice at, you know, 1201, Okay. That's my goal for you today. Um, so this is what I want to do. I'm going to have our, our guest services team. Uh, you're going to get a booklet uh, that's got some teaching notes in it. Um, but I want to watch this video as that's happening. This video is the way we in America think about money and when it comes to buying stuff. So check this out. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. <laughs> If 
you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. I mean, isn't that what culture tells us, right? We have Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, Diners Club, Shell Gasoline Cards, Texaco Gasoline Cards, and the list goes on. If you don't have the money, buy it anyway. We can make it happen for you at 19.5% interest. And if you default, it goes to 39%. And you'll have to pay a $35 a month late fee. Right? That's the way it works. So today, I, I want us to, to hear a little bit about budgeting, financial planning. Now, now some of you are going to sit there and think, okay, uh, this isn't going to apply to me because I've got everything completely financially figured out. I mean, some of you are going to be like, I have no worries at all. You're living completely debt-free. Your kids are already through college without any student loans. You have a fully funded retirement plan. Uh, you're saving and you're giving away the majority of the money that you make. And you're just going to coast through the rest of your life. If that's you, knock yourself out. Have a great day. You can go ahead and leave. Go have a burger, right? That's what I thought. So, uh, Spaz, if you turn on the lights, um, I want to give us some light in here so you can see what, what's going on. Um, for the rest of us, uh, I, need, I need your participation. I need to, um, to know where we're at so I make sure I'm hitting a good target audience. Tina, are you back there? Turn on the lights. She's not there. All right. How many of you make money or have money at some point that come into your possession on a regular basis? Raise your hand. Seriously, I need 100% participation. You're going to kill me the second service if you don't. All right? God, oh, voila, the Lord said. Okay? How many of you have any kind of debt whatsoever? Now, let me list it. Credit cards, automobiles, student loans, mortgages, outstanding lines of credit, either personal or in your business. Any kind of debt. 100% of us. Okay? Pretty darn close. Except for like the four kids. How many of you are planning on retirement one day? Glory be to God, that is the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Okay? How many of you plan on sending your kids to college at some point? How many of you just want them out of the house? 
Glory be to God, right? How many of you would love to be able to access literally thousands of dollars of cash that you could access in an emergency? Let's say the transmission or transfer case goes out on your vehicle. You can walk into the deal and just lay $2,000 down and pay cash for it. No, I'd have to swipe a credit card. I mean, that would be very helpful, wouldn't it? Okay. How many of you have more month at the end of your money? You got like 26 and a half days worth of cash, and there's 31 days in the month. The only month where it works is February. You're living large then, right? I mean, it happens, right? In our understanding of the way we budget and we don't budget, and budget's a four-letter word, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. It starts freaking you out. I've mentioned it like three times. The women are starting to panic. Guys' palms are getting sweaty. Hang in there. We're going to talk about that today in some good biblical understanding on how to budget, get out of debt, save for retirement, uh, and stuff like that. Now, we've got a a growth group uh, led by the interests that's going through what's called Financial Peace University, and some of you are part of this uh, growth group. This is where I'm taking this stuff, uh, stuff from. It's from a guy named Dave Ramsey. And so today we're going to talk about this concept uh, from Scripture and from Dave's practices. Now, the, another word I want you to know, uh, the word budget. How many times do you think that word appears in Scripture? Zero. It ain't there. I looked just to make sure. The word budget is not found anywhere in scripture. So then some of you are going to be like, well, if I ain't in the word, pastor, you don't need to be preaching it, right? Okay. But the concept is found in 2,300 and change verses about money and possessions. So I want you to go ahead and grab your little handy dandy thingy here, the, uh, the notebook that we just handed out. I'm going to walk you through just really quickly some scriptures that talk about budgeting finances. So we just begin to get an understanding Proverbs 27.12 said this, A sensible man, woman, watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton, also translated idiot, never looks and suffers the consequences. How many of you have ever run into problems because you were not prepared for the situation? Whether it's financially, whether it's studying for a test in school, Oh, I got this, D minus, right? There are consequences if we're not prepared for stuff. The old Boy Scout rule, always be prepared, okay? Another one, Proverbs 21.5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenty, but the thoughts of everyone who is hasty only to what? Poverty. Yeah. How many of you, and you don't have to participate this time, it's okay, How many of you have ever made a bad financial decision because you rushed into it? It's called impulse buying. You know what happens three days later? Buyer's remorse. You're like, oh dear Jesus, what have I done? Right? It happens. It says there you're a fool. That's not me. It's what the script. Okay. Proverbs 24, 27 says this. Do your planning and prepare your fields before what? Hmm. There's a good idea. Oftentimes we think, man, we got to have the house first, and we da-da-da-da. Tip, uh, my guess is, not anybody a farmer? No, not in Northern Cal. In Central Valley, Midwest, where I'm from, if you do not prepare your field, the seed is not going to grow. I'm pretty sure Jesus has a parable about that, right? You got to prepare the fields first, so if you plant something, 
If I just threw grain out here, is it going to grow? No. You have to prepare in order for things to grow. Okay, next scripture. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to what? Poverty. Have any of you ever been shortcut by somebody? Yeah. How many of us have taken shortcuts? Like, you know, let's say we, we, need, we need our car fixed, and we take it like Bob's mechanic shop, and we just tell Bob, put in the, put in the cheap spark plugs and wires and the cheap stuff, and, you know, just to get me by. And then like six months later, you've got to take it like to Randy's and have him do it right, right? So you've got to, you know, it, sometimes we take shortcuts. So, okay, maybe, maybe you're free and clear. None of you have ever done that. Is there anybody who's ever co-signed on a loan? And I think we established that like 99.5% of us have some type of debt that we live with. Okay? The next piece of scripture is for you. Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5. By the way, these are all in your handy-dandy notebook on the left-hand side. The author of Proverbs says, My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt, co-signer, or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, okay, co-signer, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement, uh, what do you have to do whenever you run your visa card and they hand you a slip of paper? What do you do? Sign for it. As soon as you swipe that card, you're entering into what? An agreement. Okay, it's like prison. They're going to charge you interest for the money you just spent. So you are entering into an agreement, you sign your life away, and then you've got to pay it back. Scripture talks about that. If you trapped yourself in your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy or discover's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. I bet you didn't know this was in here. This is fun. Save yourself like a gazelle fleeing from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. I mean, picture that just for a second. That's like getting out of Dodge. I mean, if you're an animal ensnared in a trap, you're going to do everything you can to get out. That's the way God talks about how we handle stuff like this. Now, some folks, and I've, had, I've preached on this for years, I've had people say, well, preacher, it, Jesus doesn't talk about it. Yes, he does. Third of his parables talk about possessions and money. And then look at Mark chapter 12. I love this one. Later, the leaders, okay, he's talking to a group of Jews, the Pharisees, people uh, who are friends of Herod and all this. They're trying to trap Jesus to have him killed because they're sick and tired of him, right? And I'm glad that they were because he died for us, gave us the opportunity to have eternal life through him because of his resurrection. It, you know, that's what we celebrate at Easter. So, so he says this, uh, the leaders, uh, uh, later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, rabbi, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Well, Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When he handed it to them, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? What do they say? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Now, 
I've had people come and say, well, blah, 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 blah. This is the deal. What nationality was Jesus? Okay, good. Jew. Jesus was Jewish. What is the nationality of most of the people that follow Jesus and the people he really is talking to the majority of the time? Jewish. There are also Romans who are part of the deal. So you have to understand, uh, in, Greek, in the first century world, a certain portion of your money... I don't know what that was. We're good. A certain portion of your money has to be paid to Caesar. You have to pay taxes. Huh. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? That's what we do. We all pay taxes. Income's tax, sales tax, you know, surcharges on everything. So we know that a portion of whatever we spend has to go to Caesar, to the government. People in the first century world understood that. See, the Jews understood the 613 Levitical laws. Most of the Jews had the first three books of the Old Testament memorized. The majority had the first five books and then knew a whole bunch of the rest of the Old Testament scripture. They had, it was an oral tradition. They talked about it all the time. Time and time again throughout all of the Old Testament, God says what? Give me your first fruits. Give me your tithe. Malachi 3, bring your whole tithe, the whole 10% into the storehouse. Test me in it, I'll blow your mind. So whenever Jesus says, give to God, or give to Caesar what Caesar's, they already know they've got to pay taxes. That's a done deal. And when he says, give to God what's God's, they also knew the deal. So he didn't have to explain it anymore. So there's your biblical understanding of that. If you've ever thought, well, Jesus doesn't talk about tithing, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Look it up. It's right there. Give to God what's God's. And then the next line is key. His reply completely amazed them. Think about that. So one of the problems I think we have in society, I love that skit, the SNL skit, because that's the way it is. We begin to freak out whenever we think about the word budget. Oh my gosh, that means I'm not going to have any money, I can't have any fun, you know, I can't do what I want to do, you know, I can't go buy those clothes I need, I can't play golf blah, 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 whatever. Budgets become a four-letter word. So on the left-hand side of your little notebook there, the very top, uh, this is a quote by Mason Cooley. It says, a budget takes the fun out of money. Right? I mean, that's sometimes what we think. So I, I gave you the definition of budget, an estimate often itemized of expected income and expenses for a given period in the future. There's a novel idea to know what you've got coming in and know what you've got going out. Duh. But we don't. The verb budget means to plan an allotment of, whether it's your time or money. I got to budget my time better. You ever said that? Yeah, I think we have. You have to budget our money better. So how how do we do that? Your know, pastor's done a great job last two weeks, giving us a great biblical understanding. Today, I want to give us give you just some practical takeaways that you can apply. So what, where I'm taking this from? This is straight out of Dave Ramsey. Now, if you're in that growth group, pay attention. You should already know the answers to these. If you're like, I ain't got a clue, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to show you very quickly how you can budget a zero-balance budget, how you can get out of debt quickly, how you can retire better. Okay? So we're going to go through this. I'm going to give you a little bit of an opportunity to work this out. I've also included uh, Dave's website in here, so you can go to his website and find stuff out. Okay? I'm not getting any royalties from Dave. These are just the best principles I've ever found that work. 
I've done Crown Financial. I've done Randy Alcorn stuff. This is the best one that's most practical and easiest, okay? So there are seven baby steps Dave talks about to financial freedom. This is number one. It's the second page in your handy-dandy booklet. Baby step number one is $1,000 to start an emergency fund. $1,000 to start an emergency fund. Dave talks about the fact that emergencies will happen. Not if, but when. Your transmission goes out. You blow a tire. Your dog gets sick. And those are, I mean, emergencies, they always happen. So you have $1,000, and I'll show you how all this works. Okay? Baby step number two is this. Pay off all of your debt. Remember, we just established that all of us, like 98% of us, have some type of debt. So to pay off all of your debt using what's called the debt snowball. Have you ever made a snowman? Anybody? I know this is Northern California, but I'm from the Midwest. We made snowmen all the time. You take some snow, mash it up, and then you start rolling it. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and voila, snowman. Right? That's what he's talking about. And I'll walk you through this real quickly in just a minute. But you list all of your, your bills, your debts, your credit cards, your house, your all of this in order from least amount owed, I owe $1,000 to Lowe's, credit card, whatever, to the most, okay, $5,000, discover, whatever it is. Then you begin to pay off that lowest one first. And if you're paying, and there's an example in here, you're paying $20 to Lowe's, and $100 to discover, you get Lowe's paid off. You add that $25, which you don't have anyway, and you add it to the $100 to discover, so then you're paying discover $125. You get discover paid off at $125. You add that $125 to your $200 a month car payment. Voila, $325 is going to pay your car off in 18 months and not 72. That's the concept of the debt snowball. Okay, and there's some instructions in here in a little bit. Okay, you with me? This is rocket science, right? No. It's hard to do, but it's not real hard. Okay, the next. Uh, his next baby step is three to six months of expenses and savings. Ladies, how comfortable would you be, in a, in a good sense, if you knew that you had $15,000 in the bank? Men, would, would that take a lot of pressure off of you as a breadwinner for your family? to know that you had that just in case something happened. It's weird how much the, just the thought of that would relieve a lot of stress and pressure in our lives. Okay? We'll talk about that. That's called a fully funded emergency fund. Okay? We'll talk about that. Step number four is to invest 15% of your household income into a Roth IRA or pre-tax retirement. How many of you know what a Roth IRA is? Okay, good, most of you. Roth IRA works this way, for those of you who don't know. You pay taxes on the money you put in. Get your deal. You pay taxes on your income. You take $1,000, whatever it is. You put it into a Roth IRA. You can only add $5,000, I think, a year now into a Roth IRA. Then, in 20 years, whenever you take that money out, your interest is compounded. You don't have to pay any taxes on it. That's a slick tool. Okay? There's other pre-tax retirement stuff that's out there, so... That's the baby step four. Baby step five, college, or, uh, college funding for your kids. We want them out of the house. College is a great way to make that happen, right? So how can we fund for our kids' college? Baby step six, pay off your home early. How many of you have a mortgage? 30-year mortgage. 
Yeah. Some of you ain't going to make it. <laughs> Let me just tell you, right? It would be great to be able to make some, some snowball things happen and be able to not have to pay 30 years and $100,000 of interest. Baby step number seven is build wealth and give. Build wealth and give. Now, in those baby steps, there's, you know, some outlines and, and some different things in there. Okay, you with me? So now you're like, okay, wait a second. That's, that's great, Blake. You're ridiculous. There's no way I can make that happen. Let's, let, let's look at the next page. Okay? Next page in your program is what's called a uh, monthly cash flow plan. We establish that the majority of us have money that comes in monthly, but the majority of us don't really know where it all goes. The concept behind Dave Ramsey is you spend all of your money on paper first. Make sense? Typically what happens, we get paid, we start swiping our debit card and writing checks, and we pray to God there's something at the end. That's why we usually have more money or more month left at the end of our money because we don't know exactly where it's going. But maybe I had, I had a, a much older lady come to me between services and said, you know, I know where all the money goes to pay my bills, but I've never thought about where the rest of it goes. She's like 75. She says, today, that was just amazing. Never thought of it. Had another guy come up to me and goes, you know what? My father taught me how to budget. I can show you the very first budget my wife and I made 55 years ago when we were 19 and got married. You know what my parents' idea of teaching me how to handle finances were? I'm walking out the door for my freshman year in college. I get handed a credit card. And the quote is, this is only in case of emergency. I'm a freshman in college. I'm at a party. We're at a beer and pizza. We have an emergency. <laughs> that is an emergency to a 21-year-old, 19-year-old, you know, you know what I'm saying? True story. So everything became an emergency. Still paying for it at some level, right? So there's, there's a lot here uh, that uh, I'm going to blow through really quickly. Uh, and, and let me just tell you just a little bit. The reason we're kind of doing it this way, I'm going to talk kind of fast. Uh, I've got to leave. My, my, uh, my grandmother was 90 years old in October. She's been battling small cell cancer for the last six months. And she went, she went ahead and decided to go be with Jesus on Wednesday. And so super excited about that. It's a great, you know, just it's, it's really cool, right? Uh, but I've got to make an airplane <laughs> this afternoon because the funeral's tomorrow morning. And uh, it's a three-hour flight to Denver and a four-hour drive to where my parents live. So, um, so I, that's why we're kind of doing this morning this way, and I'm talking a little fast. But at Dave Ramsey's website, he walks you through all this stuff. You can talk to Ralph and Kathy Indris and other people that are in the growth group about this. The one great thing about Dave's plan is this. Whenever we start talking budgeting, money, we start to freak out because we don't think we're going to have any cash to spend. One of the categories in Dave's budget that I'm going to show you is called the blow category. That you put, let's say, 50 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever you budget in there, and, you know, for me and my wife, it's like $100. Uh, we each get 50 and we can spend that on whatever we want for the month. Like a new microphone. We can spend whatever, you know, whatever it is. We, within, you know, legally, obviously, that'd be ridiculous. But we can spend on whatever. Okay? So there is some freedom with this plan as opposed to some of the others that are like, you know, you can't do this, can't do that, you can't have any fun, you can't go out to dinner, all that. Okay? So let's look at this, cash, uh, this monthly cash flow plan real quick. Uh, the, the people that he's using as an illustration, 
uh, bring, you know, their take-home or their, their gross or take-home pay is $3,000 a month, okay? I don't think, you know, it's hard to make it in California with that. These folks are from like Tennessee or whatever, okay? Um, so $3,000 a month. Oh, look, charitable giving, 10%. That's a good idea. Give to Caesar what Caesar gives to God's what's God's. Then the next line is the emergency fund. Y'all with me? You see where I'm looking? Okay. Uh, he puts 50 bucks in there. Now what we do is we budget our money out then we budget for the emergency fund. But once you have $1,000 in your emergency fund, the beginning, baby step what? Number one, once you get 1000 bucks put away, then you take that 50 bucks and you start putting it toward the debt what? Snowball. It's amazing how much money you'll save in interest if you do that. Okay? So look, first mortgage, yeah, $725. Yeah, right. That's like a third of mortgage in California, right? But whatever it is, replacing furniture, there's utilities, now, everything that has a little star by it, Dave calls that your, um, he uses an envelope system. An envelope system is nothing new. It's been around for hundreds of years. I know people that they grew up with the envelope system. Their great, great grandparents taught them. If you don't have the money, what? You can't buy it. Okay? So you put money in an envelope, and there's, there's instructions in this booklet and, and also on his website. So go to the next page. Here's all the different areas that you can budget for, and even more so than that, okay? So we've got all these different budget uh, line items. At the other part, the total household income is $3,000. See what they've done? They've spent all their money on paper first, okay? You get that? Most of the time, we spend... Should I tell her she's this? Most of the time, we spend our money without knowing where it goes, okay? So what Dave teaches is that you spend the money on paper first. It's, 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 I know, you're, you're blown away right now. You tell your money where to go. Our money typically tells us where to go. About the 27th of the month, you want to take your kids out for a bite to eat. You, you know... Your phone beeps you. Your Bank of America phone beeps you and says, you're overdrawn. Sorry, you can't do that. And you're like, man, I thought we did better this month. But you have no idea where the money went. It's, it's really kind of, you know, it's, it's gambling. So turn the page. Oh, look, a blank handy-dandy monthly cash flow plan. You have three minutes. Go. No, I'm serious. There's a pencil in the back of the seat. I want to give you like three minutes. Just start it. Because if you don't start it, you ain't going to do it. Theoretically, you have an idea of how much money you, you bring home a month. Theoretically. Take three minutes. Just start filling stuff out. Go. Budget. Now, uh, this is what we use. This is not ours. I just made a mock-up for us so you could see what it looks like. Okay? So you budget. You drop in. Let's say I put in $5,000. Your charity, you're giving to, to the church here at Creekside because you're generous 10%. You're saving some. You've got all your housing stuff. You've got all your utilities. You're spending money on groceries and restaurants. See what it does? It, help, it, it helps you say, okay, yeah, we can go out and eat. This was the biggest fear for my wife and I. We love to eat out. Duh. BJ's. It's like our second home. And we love to eat out. But we budget for it. If we get to the envelope where the, the restaurant budget is empty, you don't take it from the clothing budget. Okay? It's gone. Eat peanut butter and jelly, suck it up for the next week. Whatever it takes. Okay? Gas and oil, insurance. How many of you have ever gotten to, let's say, August, 
And the lovely DMV sends you this horrible note that tells you you owe them $500 for your tags and taxes on your vehicle. Dave gives you the opportunity to plan for that every month. Let's say, it's, let's say you owe 120 bucks a year for your vehicle. How much is that a month? Oh my gosh, $10. That's amazing. Great math skills. Save 10 bucks a month. That way you don't have to come up with 120 in September. So you begin to plan for known expenses. You know certain things are coming. Okay? So you spend all of your money first on paper. Now, there's, there's toiletry and hair care and cosmetics, ladies. I know I only put 10 bucks in there. That's like lip gloss these days, right? We have this, we have in our budget, we, we call it Costco Sam's. Okay? We have our food, so we, we pay cash for all of our food. Then we have a Costco Sam's line item, which is toilet paper, paper towels, anything, you know, anything that we buy at Costco or Sam's that's not consumable, you know, like food. Okay, you with me? So you can go to DaveRamsey.com, sign up for this. It, it's 10 bucks a month. But it, it, it helps. I'm a technique, technique, or a technical kind of guy. It helps a ton. Okay? Next page. So my, my hope and prayer is that you'll go home and, and you'll begin to, to start this process. Just thinking through it. Gosh, honey, where does our money go every month? We don't have a clue. Some of you are like, okay, I'm bored. What about debt, though? How do we handle that? Here's the debt snowball. Uh, most of the things, like Crown Financial and some of them, will tell you to start with your highest interest-rated item first. Oftentimes, though, that is your highest balance because it's gotten that way because somewhere along the line you forgot to make a payment, they've jacked up your interest rate, you're behind somewhere, whatever. So Dave says start with your lowest balanced item first. It gives you some, some uh, instructions there. He uses penny sears. Remember Montgomery Ward? Did you know Montgomery Ward was the very first uh, corporation to issue credit? Did you know that? Crazy. Okay, so let's, let's pretend like you owe 150 bucks on your pennies card that you've had for 14 years. You've been whittling away. You pay 15 bucks a month on it. You have a garage sale. I hate garage sales, but you have a garage sale. You pay it off. Voila, you're done. But you've been spending 15 bucks a month. So then your next item is Sears because you bought a bunch of tools, guys. And you take that $15 a month minimum payment, add it to the Sears $10 a month minimum payment. Your new payment is what? 10 plus 15 is 25. Not rocket science, just difficult. Then let's say you pay off Sears in 11 months. You take that new payment of 25 bucks, you add it to your $500 visa of 75. What's your total? $100. Guess what? You pay it off in five months. Voila, you're done. You've been making your minimum payment on everything else. One of the biggest things that always got us into trouble and it gets you into trouble is you'll sit down, you've got your four credit cards or whatever, and you'll give everybody like $8 extra. No, 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 no. Take that 16 or $32 that you're going to give everybody, pay everybody else a minimum, add it to the lowest deal, and knock that sucker out. It makes a whole lot more sense. I, I, I had people come up first service and go, never thought of that. I didn't think of this either. I'm just trying to follow it, right? Wish I'd have thought of it. So you see how that works? Oh, look, a handy-dandy snowball sheet. This blank for you. You have two minutes. Go. Begin to write down what debt you have outside of your house okay outside of your house go okay two minutes is up not really um but we're gonna move on i want you to start thinking about this you take this home that's why i put this together for you
Write it down. What's your minimum payment? Okay. What's your total payoff? How much are you, have you been paying? Because statistics tell us, I was talking to somebody the other day, that if you make the, let's say you make the minimum payment on your $5,000 card, it's going to take you like eight years and pay like $4,000 in interest. It's crazy. You're getting robbed. Figure out a way to beat the game. This is a great way to do it. Okay, you with me? Is this helpful at all? Okay, I sure hope so. Next page. How many of you would like to retire? Yes. Light at the end of the tunnel. Some of you are there. Some of you are closer than the rest of us. Kids, students, if, you know, if you're in here and listening to this, holy cow, this will change your history. Okay? My job as a parent is to change my family legacy. We were not taught budgeting. We were not taught how to do any of this. We, our kids now, beginning this December, we've gotten to ourselves to a point. They have an allowance. They're getting budgeted. X, Y, Z. And we're teaching them these principles. We've been doing this for several years, off and on, trying to get it. You know, we're, we're making some great headway now. Okay? So this is how you figure out your retirement. This is their illustration. Let's pretend like you make $30,000 a year. Let's just pretend. And you want to, to retire making $30,000 a year. On average, you're going to need about $375,000 to be able to live the way you're living now. Okay, make sense? To achieve that nest egg, I'm on that page, you will save, uh, now this was written in about 07, uh, kind of before the crash. So the theory was if you, if you invest in the right things, you're going to make about 12%. It's not that way now, but you can, there are certain areas where you can still make some of that kind of money, a little bit more risky. Okay, but this is their illustration. After inflation, you're going to net an 8%. Okay, it's going to be less than that now, but here's the idea. Okay, so if you want a $375,000 nest egg and your age is 30 years old, you have 35 years to invest for retirement. Okay, then there's that little gray box down at the bottom. You multiply that times .00436. How they got that, I don't have a clue. Okay, I don't have any idea, but it works. So you're going to need to save $163 a month. You're like, I don't have $163 a month. How do you know that if you don't make your budget? You might. I had, I had some folks, again, between services, come up and say, we just started this Dave Ramsey stuff with the indices. We, did, we had no idea how much money we have. They didn't know. Single income. Husband just got laid off. We, have no, we had no idea that's how much money we had. Great concepts. Okay? So there's a monthly retirement planning thing. You can begin to figure out if you're 60, you got a lot of work to do. Right? But if you're 25, 30, 40, there are certain steps you can take to change your family legacy. Make sense? Helpful? Okay. Next page is called Recommended Percentages. The way that they've illustrated this is this is a general recommended amount of money you should spend for your monthly income in these areas. Tithing, charitable giving should be 10 to 15%. Saving, between 5 and 10. Housing, between 25 and 35 Okay, utilities, 5 to 10, food, 5 to 15, transportation, so on and so forth. Some of us are spending, you know, 30 to 35% on clothing, but we don't know it. Some of us are spending 40% on eating out. We don't know it. Okay, so there's a lot of helpful tools that, that I hope anyway that, that you can take out of here today and begin to apply, that, that you can walk out going, okay, I, I, 
I might be able to get this. Go to his website, DaveRamsey.com. Uh, on the right-hand side, next to the last page, is a little bit about Dave, so you know he's not just making stuff up. And then the very last page, the very back of your booklet, this is what we're going to do this fall. The reason why I'm speaking about this today is to begin to get us to think differently about how we budget our finances. Because this fall, we're going to do a thing called Momentum. And it's Dave's church-wide, um, community-wide outreach opportunity to help people get a handle on their finances in a biblical way. So what we're going to do, we've had uh, numerous people inside and outside of Creekside call and, and fill out prayer cards. We need prayer for our finances. We've been laid off. We don't know what to do with our money. We're really struggling. I mean, we're, I'm talking five, six, eight a week. And that's, I'm not joking. So we've decided about a month and a half ago, we're going to do this deal this fall, and we're going to use it as a, as a community outreach to help people recover from the recovery. Okay? And uh, the theory is at this point, we'll do it like on a Tuesday night for people who are outside of Creekside. We'll show it. It's a video-driven system. Show it on the screens. Have people from our community come and get some handle on some things. We as Creeksiders, we're going to run this through our growth group system in the fall. So it'll be an all-church campaign. So uh, we want to help people in this day and age have a better understanding. 2,300 verses on money and possessions. And most of the time, we don't talk about it from the platform. Because most of the time, people are like, oh, you're just preaching about because you want money because they pay your salary. No. We want what's best for you. Because that's an act of obedience to God. So it's not about us, it's about helping you. That's our, that's our job as pastors, right? It's teaching team to help equip and empower you. That's our job. So that's what we want to do. So that's coming up uh, this fall, so be aware of that.